Hello, and welcome to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Purry. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sibling, and a former athlete. I work full time. I am the founder of Rapid, a nonprofit organization, and I'm legally blind. I am so excited about opening the conversation about everything equity. We will primarily be talking about disability, as that is my lived experience, and it is often the minority left out of the equity conversation. I am passionate about equity for all identities, as I have family members from the communities of color, LGBTQIA, disabilities, and we span all ages. It is my goal to normalize these conversations, get people comfortable with the uncomfortable, and include everyone. After all, we are all human. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me here today on this fabulous Monday morning. I wanted to talk about two things today. I'm here by myself and excited to talk about two things. One that's really um, hit me hard in the news these days, and then another that is uh, around questions that I get often uh, for myself as well as for people with disabilities. So we're going to be talking today about diversity, equity, inclusion work in the workplace. That's the first topic we'll talk about. And then microaggressions. Are they really micro? Are they macro? Or are they just plain aggressive? And so I wanted to go ahead and get started. So I'm not sure if all of you saw the articles in the recent news. I don't do a bunch of news scanning myself, but my husband does. And uh, he brought my attention to two articles that have now come out. And the current administration is trying to ban all diversity, equity, inclusion work from federal facilities. Now, I don't specifically know the details as far as other than he's trying to ban it. And so I got really fired up about this because when we think about our history, when we think about who was allowed access to information, who was allowed to learn how to read, who was allowed to, um, yeah, like I said, learn to read the Bible instead of the Bible being read to them. And it was always these secrets of information, or only certain people could know information, or only um, certain groups were exposed to information. And so I felt like we went back in time by trying to ban diversity, equity, inclusion work. Now, for one moment, I thought that I was scared because, you know, that's what I do for a living. But on the other hand, I was just appalled that it would be deemed as un-American to teach people the history of our country and to teach people the, you know, the actual history of our country and how we settled here as, as primarily white folks. And it just seemed wrong to me that our leadership would want to hide those things and wouldn't want to talk about those things. Now, I am one for giving people as much information as they need, as they want, 
as they can seek, as we, as far as we can go, and then giving people the opportunity to choose. And I think, for the most part, that's how a lot of people want the world to be. People want to be able to seek out information, whether it's on one side or the other. They want to be able to read books, articles, whatever it is, consume information, however they do, and then make their own decision. For me, if we stop offering diversity, equity, inclusion classes, to me, that just shows how ashamed we are of our history, of what we've done to humans in this country. Now, when you go to some of these classes, and if you've never been exposed to this history or to this work, can it be hard to hear? Can it be hard to swallow? Absolutely. Absolutely. As Especially as a white person. Um, or an able-bodied person learning about the, the history of people with disabilities or any of the other historically underrepresented groups in our systems, in our, in our country. It can be hard. It can be traumatizing for those in the room who have history within those cultures. It can be hard to hear from the opposite end of the spectrum, whatever that is. So let's, let's use disability, for example. For an able-bodied person to think about, you know, children with disabilities being starved or killed because of their disability, it's hard. It's hard to know that people do that to people. Um, when we look at the, the racial equity, it's hard as a white person to feel that for the first time. And there are people in the community, our neighbors, our coworkers, our, you know, acquaintances who feel that difficulty every single day of their lives because we are not willing to have those conversations. We are not willing to learn. And so if we completely ban diversity, equity, and inclusion classes, in our workplaces, that just shows how people just want to be silenced. People just want the world to go on like the good old days. And the good old days were only good for the people who fit dominant culture. The good old days of ass slapping in the office of women and calling your secretary baby, those days weren't good for women. The days of people with disabilities being sterilized so that they didn't pass their disability out of those ki- on their kids, those days weren't good. The days of slavery were not good for people of color. The good old days were good for dominant culture, white, cisgender, male, working class men. That's who the good old days was all about. And so to say, I just wish we could go back to the good old days, to say that, oh, we're all so sensitive now, to say, you know, you just can't say anything anymore. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. And we all screwed up every, at least, at least on a regular basis. I'll say that. And if we all knew that we were hurting people with the words we say or with our actions and we could actually stop for a moment and put ourselves aside and say, wow, you know, 
I really care about this human. And I would never want to feel this way. Some of these issues would go away. You know, some of these feelings of, I don't want to do diversity, equity, inclusion work. I don't know anybody with a disability, so I don't need to learn this stuff. Some of that stuff would go away. But I'm getting on a tangent here. Excluding the education, excluding or banning the education from workplaces is absolutely mind-blowing for me. Whereas I would expect a leader to say, you know what? We want America to be great. And I'm saying that in quotes. And we want America to be great for everyone. Not just the people that look like me, think like me, believe like me, act like me. And when this kind of a rule comes down and is, you know, trying to be pushed through, the only thing that says is if you're not part of dominant culture, you don't matter, and especially in the workplace. So find your place and deal with it. And that's not okay. It's not okay for any of us, and I don't think any one of us, whether you not even going to go there. I don't think any one of us would say, I just, I don't want people with disabilities in the workplace. I don't want people of color in the workplace. I don't want to work next to a black person. I don't want, we wouldn't say it out loud, but by making those kind of actions and statements, that's exactly what it's saying. And so we we really need to be mindful, and I hope that this is gaining traction in the in the country so that this does not go through the gates of, yeah, we're going to ban, and right now it's at the federal level because that's all they have control over, but they're saying all federal employees will not be able to um, get diversity, equity, inclusion training, and the contractors themselves will be punished for, you know, administering diversity, equity, inclusion training. So... I just wanted to bring it to everybody's attention because it is a hot item right now and I know people listening to this podcast care about human rights and care about equity and care about all of those things and this just can't happen. Um, in listening to Judith Human's book, the one of the last um, chapters talks about you know all of the rights of people with disabilities that were immediately um, touched and taken. Uh, when this administration came into office, one of the first things they did for people with disabilities. And I just didn't realize how quickly it had happened until I was reading her book and, and really, really heard it, you know, explicitly spelled out. And so, you know, we got to look at, this isn't a political podcast, so I'm not going there, but we have to look at these decisions that are being made at the top and how they affect our human rights as people with disabilities as people of color and it's not just a black lives matter thing it's it's these are being laws being made still today that there can't be diversity and inclusion classes or uh, education in in the workplace that's that's insanity so that's the diversity and inclusion piece that I wanted to touch on. I would love for you all to look into it. Uh, if we can write letters, if we can do whatever we need to, we all need to be represented in the workplace. And if a major law or ban or whatever they're calling it comes from the top, it's it's really only going to take us backwards in, in, in the little progress that we have made. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, now the other question I get a lot is around microaggressions 
And in our diversity, equity, inclusion community, we talk, are they really micro? And what is a microaggression? So a microaggression is an unintentional statement, an action, um, situation that is unintentionally discriminatory towards a group of people. So this comes up a lot with disabilities. So if my coworkers are going to a bar after work for happy hour or something, and they choose a restaurant that is not accessible. And let's say I was, I was a wheelchair user. When I go to go to the happy hour, a microaggression, this would be a situational microaggression where all my coworkers are in having happy hour and I'm not able to access the restaurant. And so it was unintentional, but it did exclude me from being able to participate. And at the end of the day, it really sucks and hurts somebody's feelings that, you know, they weren't really thought of by their coworkers. And so they're they're unintentionally left out or discriminated against. And so these are microaggressions, but let's take that situation and how micro does it feel if you see all your coworkers through the window having a great time and you're sitting out on the sidewalk and you realize you can't get in. That's not very micro. That's damn big. It's it's a macro. It's a it's a it's it I wouldn't say it's aggression but it sure causes aggression I would be pissed and so when we look at microaggressions uh, many people ask like what are some of the common ones that I experience as a legally blind woman and a lot of the stuff I experience is mostly with my guide dog so a lot of the things people say about me or about her when they think <laughs> I can't hear them I'm not sure why they you know that's a common thing if they think if you can't see you can't hear but people will talk about my guide dog or they'll say, you know, why does she have a guide dog if she can still see? Like if I have my phone really, really close to my face, they'll say, oh, she can see. Why does she need a guide dog? Well, obviously I'm holding the phone literally an inch from my face. Obviously I have a sight problem. Um, so that's a microaggression when people are saying things, commenting about things. Um, <laughs> a really common one, which I thought, I, I tell people this all the time, I thought it would end when I was you know, in elementary school, but no, is when people, you know, are being funny because they know I'm pretty chill and laid back and I like to joke around and they say, how many fingers am I holding up? And they, they wanted me to answer them. That's a microaggression. There's no reason. And they think they're being silly and funny. Unintentionally, they're saying something about my vision and it definitely hurts and it definitely pisses me off and it definitely makes me want to punch them in the face. That's a microaggression. But the conversation out there right now is how micro is it? And the answer is it's not micro. None of these are microaggressions. And this can happen against any group of people. I gave you, you know, instances of disability. Um, another one would be when I'm on my computer screen, I'm literally probably three inches from my screen, even though it's enlarged and I listen to a lot of it, but I still see um, a lot of what I'm navigating because I'm stubborn and I don't take the time to learn <laughs> what I need to. But um, so I'm three inches from my screen and somebody walks by and said, do you forget, did you forget your glasses? Um, no, you've worked with me two years and you know I'm legally blind. 
There's no reason for you to say that and be Mr. Funny Guy, you know. And so that's a microaggression. Uh, when I'm trying to use the copy machine, I can't see it, but with the LED screens and, you know, I try to memorize as much as I can. But again, I'm literally an inch from the screen trying to push the buttons that I think are there. And somebody says, oh, do you fruit your glasses or can you get any closer? Um, all of those are microaggressions. All of that is stuff people say. Um, when I'm at the grocery store. Another good one, credit card machine, and I can't see it. The credit card, so I know, like at some stores, I memorize the pattern, so I know to put my card and hit the green one, hit the no or the button on the left, um, and then hit the green again, and then check out. But if I don't know the store and I don't know the credit card machine, I'll say, hey, you know, I, I, are you able to help me? And they're like, what? Can you not read? Well, what if I couldn't read? Like, what if I don't read English? What if I, there's a lot of things that could be wrong. But the fact is, is I asked you for help. I said, could you please help me process this card? It doesn't matter why. And it ends up pissing me off every time. But it's just unnecessary. And I know it's people just like observing and saying, wow, she's looking at me. Um, they may notice or not notice my guide dog but they still give me crap. And so those are microaggressions. Those things are happen every day. And that's the thing about microaggressions is the best video I've ever seen is the mosquito bite video. So you can just look, type in microaggressions mosquito bites into YouTube. And that's the thing. Or the other day it was paper cuts, death by, by paper cuts. Um, we talked about it. And you know, if you get a paper cut, or one mosquito bite. Yeah, it's annoying or it hurts and you're like, ugh, that sucks. But let's say you get another paper cut 10 minutes later and you get another paper cut. So now you don't have one paper cut. Now by the end of the day, you have 20 paper cuts all over your body, on your hands, on your face, everywhere. Like you could have 20. There's literally days that I've probably had more than 20 microaggressions within one day that have happened. And so Mosquito bites, same thing. I Mosquito bites are more annoying than paper cuts for me. So if I get one mosquito bite, I'm like, wow, that sucks. But then you get when your legs and your arms are just eaten up and you have them like tons when you go out camping. Oh, man, it, it's awful. You feel awful by the end of the night or the day. You feel awful. And it's not fun anymore if you're camping. It's not fun if you're at the beach because you're you're itching everywhere. And so it ruins your day. And that's exactly how microaggressions are. It's like, one, yeah, sucks. Yeah, don't like that. I wish people wouldn't say that to me or do that to me. You know, two, you're like, oh, is this going to be how the day goes today? And then three, and then four, and then five. And then by the end of the day, you're like, F this. I'm out. I'm just going to go home and go to bed because I'm done listening to people and, and being in situations that I can't navigate. Now, the other play things that this applies to with disability, especially, is physical spaces. You know, if a physical space isn't accessible or it's not built to not code, but for the for the use of humans with disabilities, it, again, it acts as another microaggression. If I'm going to a job interview and I can't find the front door because there's no markings, there's no... Um, 
uh, I've used this example before, it's all glass building. They like to do these all glass buildings. And you got to find the door. And my guide dog can't even find the door because it's so flush. Everything is so flush. And uh, there's no railings uh, leading up to the building or whatever the case may be. It's impossible. And I'm trying to get to a job interview. And then that causes frustration, that causes panic, causing anxiety. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be late. I'm trying to go to an interview to get this job. Da -da 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 -da. And so you go down that lane of panic because something wasn't clearly marked or accessible. And so those are the situations that add to a a person of any any kind ha having a micro experiencing a microaggression. Now, I, I, often with microaggressions in communities of color, you know, people often see the examples of, oh, your hair, oh, can I touch your hair? Or they don't even ask and they go touch, a, a, you know, often a black or African-American woman's hair. Like, just touch it like it's theirs and they can just grab it. Um, or they say, oh, no, where are, you, where are you from? No, where are you really from? Those are kind of the most common examples. But it's also seen often of how people talk to a person. If they seem to be talking down to a person of color, it can be very frustrating. Well, if, well obviously, you don't understand. That phrase comes up a lot. Well, obviously, you don't understand. Or <laughs> I know I was talking about... Um, people of color but the other one is well I know you can't see this Emily but and I'm like don't tell me what I can and can't see I'll tell you what I can and can't see you shut the heck up um, but that's where communities of color come experience microaggressions and there's tons 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 more then there's you know job opportunities or promotions or being passed up on different opportunities or not even being exposed to opportunities that's a microaggression all these things are microaggressions they're not micro they're major aggressions if I can't get updated news as a person who's deaf or hard of hearing because nobody's providing sign language how the hell am I gonna stay current on COVID standards how the hell am I gonna stay current on what I am and not supposed to be doing as far as social distancing as far as quarantining as far as any of that. If, if they're putting out messaging in Spanish about people's health, how are they supposed to activate? How are they supposed to abide by the rules? Again, microaggressions. How? And then they get arrested or they get punished or they get in trouble for being out past curfew when nobody gave them any sign or instructions in the language that they speak. I mean, these are microaggressions and they're not micro. Like these things can affect a person's life. So how do we avoid microaggressions? And what do we do when we say something stupid? <laughs> and it's not always stupid. It's unintentional. It's not stupid. I said stupid because I get frustrated when I talk about this, but these things aren't stupid. It's simply learning about other types of people. We have to learn about other types of people. And guess what? As I say in this podcast, every single week, we're going to screw it up. Okay? So if you, if you know you're going to screw it up, just know that and be okay with that. Now, what do you do when you screw up? This is the biggest thing. What do you do when you screw up? 
And so you come up to Emily, and she's been joking around. You come up to me, and you've been joking around with me, and we are, have a great relationship, and we're cool co-workers. And you say, hey, Emily, did you forget your glasses today? And it just comes out because you're trying to be funny. You're trying to be funny, and that's fine that you're trying to be funny. But how it came out really wasn't very funny. So what do you do now? Number one, if you notice my face or if you notice me reacting to it, and you can tell I was pissed off or maybe I didn't say anything, maybe I didn't laugh, maybe I didn't comment, or maybe I did call you out and say, hey, Mary, that wasn't appropriate. So what do you do? So first, if I call you out and say, hey, that's not okay. We don't, that's not how, that's not how this goes down. You can say, Emily, thank you for telling me. I appreciate it. And I'm going to do better next time. And I am sorry. And that's it. I don't want you to explain. I don't want you to tell me why you thought it was funny. I don't want you to tell me that, oh, well, I thought since we joked around it was okay. No, I don't want, I don't want explanations. I want you to say, Emily, thank you for telling me. I'm sorry, and I will do better. That's it. Now, some people say, well, how do I know? How do I know if I, how do I know if I, how do I know why this person was offended? Like, what if I don't know what I did? In those cases, if you truly reflect on it for a while, don't just go back to five minutes later. Reflect on it through the night Say, okay, run it by some people, you know, this is what I said to Emily. I feel like crap about it. She wasn't very happy with it, I could tell. Um, Or she called me out or whatever. Go back and truly reflect on what happened. Then, the next day, you can either come up to Emily, myself, or you can email me, or you can send me a text, or you can do any of these modes of communication. And you can say, Emily... Yesterday was really awkward. If you are willing, I would like to talk to you about it if you have some time. I truly want to be a better person and I am not understanding what I said or what I did that offended you, but I truly want to know. In that case, you leave it up to the person. If the person does not respond, if I don't respond, that means I don't want to talk about it. And that's okay. It's not that it's something you did personally. I mean, it is, but it's not because of you. It's probably, Emily, I, I must have had five microaggressions before you. And this was the straw that broke the, my, the camel's back. And so now I need time. Now, if I don't ever come back to you, it is what it is, and that's my choice, and that's fine. We can go on still having a relationship, possibly. It depends. If I do, and I say, yes, I have no problem meeting with you. Let's do Tuesday at 10 10 a.m. When you go to meet with that person, truly listen. This is not the time to explain. Again, truly open your ears, shut your mouth, and listen. You want to take this opportunity to learn about Emily. It's not about you. It's about why you hurt Emily. And once you understand that, 
you go back to your life and you figure out and you deal with your shame and you deal with your issues around it and say, okay, Emily doesn't want to joke around like that. And that's okay. And if you can put your ego aside, you can continue to have a relationship with this person. If you can't put your ego aside, then no, that relationship's probably fried. But the fact that you went in there and listened and didn't argue and didn't try to prove your point, you're going to gain more respect from that person that you're trying to ask for, not advice, but, um, you know, to, to teach you what happened in that moment and how it felt and what it felt like or what it reminded them of. You know, people experience trauma in all different ways. And it can be trauma from discrimination. It can be trauma from sexual trauma. It can be trauma from verbal abuse in their past. And when a man comes up and yells in a loud voice at a woman who's been verbally or physically abused, it can have a trauma response. And you need to listen. And you need to hear it. And then you need to put yourself aside and be like, all right, I'm going to do better, but I am going to screw up again. It's it's inevitable. We all are going to. There's thing I, things that I say that are wrong. And there's the things that I say that, you know, should be corrected. And I don't because it, we're human. All I can do is I can say, I'm sorry. Thank you for telling me. And I will do better next time. And that in itself, trying is the best we can all do is we can all try and do better and we can all be better by trying the more we're aware the more we're going to be better i get this question a lot around lgbtq and pronouns so what happens if i screw up a pronoun what if um, emily wants to be referred to as they them and i keep calling her she the best thing you can do there is keep correcting yourself in the moment if you're talking about me and I'm in the presence and, and you're saying, and she said, I mean, I'm sorry, they said, when you make that effort, yes, it, it it's annoying for a while, but the fact that you're making that effort and correcting yourself shows that you want to change. You want to make that change, especially for people who um, have had one identity and then and people knew them and then they changed that pronoun. It's hard to make that switch in our minds, not in our, even in our minds, but in our vocabulary. And so often, as long as you're trying to correct yourself and you say, I'm sorry, they, and you move on with the conversation, you don't make it awkward, you don't, you know, freak out, you just make that correction. That means you're trying and eventually it's going to stick and eventually you're going to get it. And so have that humility, have that decency to say, I'm sorry. I screwed up. Emily, I shouldn't have said that. Or Emily, I, you know, they, them, whatever it is, correct yourself and have the humility to respect that person in front of you. So I think that will wrap us up today for today. Really look at the humanity of people, everybody. You know, we're going through some really, really crappy times in case you didn't notice. Things are hateful, and but we have to lead with love. We are all humans, hence the name of the podcast being Human is my label. 
because when it boils down to it, we are all humans. We all have feelings. None of us want to feel like crap. None of us want to be excluded. None of us want to be left out. None of us want to be hated. We all want to be loved and we want to belong. But it takes us being human in order to achieve that. And so think of your neighbors. Think of the people at work with you. We are all going through enough bad times in the world right now that the last thing we need is to have an a-hole coworker next to us, you know, treating us like crap, not being inclusive, not being helpful. We've got to lead with love. We've got to do our best. We're all going to screw it up. But we're on this journey together. Everyone's going to screw it up. And so be compassionate to yourself. Be graceful with yourself. Be graceful with others. And make sure you're doing your best to be a better human. Everybody have a great week. I look forward to next week. We have another amazing guest. If you haven't checked out the last few podcasts, had Heidi Mason on last week, Vicki on the week before, or couple weeks before like we're getting guests in here that are just phenomenal guests and we got more coming up for the rest of the year so stay tuned check out the other episodes we're still here we're still going and trying to make this world a little bit better than it was yesterday take care be safe stay well Thank you so much for joining me here today at Human Is My Label. Don't forget to subscribe, share this with your friends, families, and coworkers. Get out there, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, include everyone, and push yourself to be better every day. If you're interested in coaching or corporate training or learning more about RAPID, visit us at rapidorgan.org. That's R-A-P-I-D-O-R-E-G-O-N.org. You can find me at emily.curry on Instagram and all my other social handles are below. Have a great day and can't wait to see you next week.